the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things fitness, nutrition, and health related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Happy 2021. Happy 2021. It my, sure did. My daughters are saying, like, <laughs> we're going to fall asleep, and then it's going to be 2021, and everything's going to be better. Nope. And <laughs> the nation's on fire. <laughs> that hasn't been how it's worked out for us. Not at all. But that doesn't mean good things aren't headed our way. And certainly, we can work on controlling the controllables in our own lives. We we thought it'd be fun today to talk about why diets fail, while why New Year's resolutions don't typically make it. Yeah. Yeah. Studies show that 8% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions actually keep them all year. And 80% have failed by the start of February. <laughs> wow, that's pretty bleak. So why make a res uh, New Year's resolution? The PhD behind the study says that most resolutions fail due to sabotage by lack of self-discipline. So self-discipline is obviously a big part of it. <laughs> I think a lot of times when we make goals, we're so focused on the outcome without the behavior modifications to get there. So instead of hitting for specific metrics, I actually recommend we look for whether or not we do the behaviors to elicit those metrics. And then the failure success rate shouldn't be based on a number, but did you do the habits to get there? I like that because you're based on the causal things as opposed to the effects. So if, you're, if your goal is I'm going to lose 30 pounds, most people don't really focus on what it takes to lose 30 pounds. They just know that's the end goal. That's what I would. And it goes back to smart goals. Is it specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time bound? Just lose. I want to lose 30 pounds. That's not. Very it's not as cool to share if somebody asks you, what's your resolution? I'm going to make e better eating decisions 20% of the time. <laughs> but that's actually what it takes. We had an ha episode on habits not too long ago and breaking them down and having starter habits and just making sure you do the small things first. Yeah. And our entire approach is based around small, sustainable changes. Do you ever do resolutions? Has that ever been a thing for you? I do. Sometimes I come through with them. Other years I haven't uh, even attempted or set one, but there was one year that really started my transformation. And, and granted, I, I always tell you guys on the show, I don't recommend this approach. It leaded to a lot of injury. But uh, one year I woke up and I was 244 pounds pre-diabetic. I said, this sucks. I started getting into running again. And I said, I'm going to run six days a week, no matter what, at least three miles. And I did that for a solid year which then spurred me into getting into marathons. But I didn't understand nutrition. I didn't understand biomechanics. And I ended up with knee surgeries, piriformis issues. I was hospitalized twice with severe dehydration. So I don't necessarily recommend that approach. But I do think it's a good idea to you know, have some sort of reset of goals at the beginning of the year and then put a plan in place, smarter than my plan, back when I was uneducated about all this stuff. How about you, Joe? Uh, not normally. No, I normally am not a resolution person. I was trying to think. I remember one time I successfully met a resolution and it had to do with the amount of books I wanted to read in a year. And that was probably, I don't know, five or six years ago. But other than that, I think it's just been, hey, that would be cool. And just a lot of failure. So I think I line up pretty close to the, to the most people who are done by February. I feel like that's ring pretty true for the majority of my life. Yeah, Absolutely. I think a smarter approach, well, what I'm doing with my wife and her family is we all sat down and wrote our habit goals that are obtainable. And so most of us have some sort of water hydration goal. 
because we know that if you're properly hydrated, that's going to help with joints. It's going to help with metabolism. It's going to be easier to lose fat. You're going to feel better. You're going to have less headaches and that's going to impact motivation uh, and all kinds of other health benefits. We have a sleep goal. So a quick recap on the hydration. What is the right amount? It's going to be slightly different for everybody. They, you can use half your body weight if you're not exercising. As I don't think that's an optimal amount, but that's at least a good minimum. How in the heck do you drink half your body weight in water? <laughs> <laughs> so for instance, I'm usually around 172. That's about 84 ounces or so. I think if you start early in the morning, when you first wake up, you're the most dehydrated and your body's going to accept a large quantity. So you can usually get 12 to 24 ounces in right off the bat. And then just, especially after exercise and with, with each meal, try and get some liquid in Yeah, throughout I would the agree day. with that about how easy it is to drink a bunch of water in the morning. There was a, a one of the books I'd read during that one successful thing was uh, this book called Morning Routine or something like that. It was along those lines, but essentially he was talking about the importance of hydration and how he always starts his morning with drinking two tall glasses of room temperature water and all the benefit that it has for you, like waking up your gut and blah, 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 blah. Turning yeah. on your digestive system gently. Yeah, I know Sean Stevenson at the on the Model Health show. He would he calls it his inner bath in the morning, so it just gets kind of everything going. Yeah, those seem like pretty attainable things. Yeah, yes. You can either do it or not do it. What I like about smart goals and goals like that are at the end of a day, you can find out whether you achieved or failed the goal. Whereas like the goal to lose 30 pounds, you can find out at the end of the year, <laughs> yeah, whether or not you were successful. So with that type of goal, if you're just waiting to the end of the year, there's no recalibration in, in the, while you're trying to head toward that goal. Yeah. So. You're just doing the same thing and sure do hope it pans out. Yeah. And that's not very specific. So I like that. So the, you got a hydration goal and you're saying, what were the other goals? So sleep goal. So for instance, me and Michelle's is See, This to, is an exciting thing for some people that like hate resolutions. They're like sleep. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> Nap all day. <laughs> but we want to try and get to bed by 11 o'clock at night. That's our goal. Now, if we can get to bed earlier, that's even better. But that is our absolute latest. So the goal itself doesn't have to be optimal because you're not going to hit optimal 100% of the time. That's yeah. setting yourself up for failure. Man, in COVID times, I feel like sometimes my wife and I are just watching the clock for an acceptable time to go to bed. <laughs> is it okay now? Yeah. Eight, eight o'clock? Eight o'clock feels okay. It's... <laughs> uh, but there's all kinds of reasons for an emphasis on sleep goals, especially if one of your end goals is to lose weight. We know that one third of all weight loss happens during sleep. So your lungs are actually your primary weight loss organ, believe it or not. We lose 84% of fat through our breath and only 16% through sweat and urine. Wow. Now, there's actually been some interesting studies. They had one group, they had to do all kinds of cycling. And the other group, they just had them focus on more sleep. And the sleep group outperformed the cycling group for weight loss. There you go. Work smarter, not harder, people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> not only that, but if we look at the hormonal spectrum, we've done an entire episode on sleep. But when you get poor sleep, insulin goes out of whack. So you're going to have more cravings for sugar. It's going to completely demolish any kind of motivation the next day if you're getting poor sleep. It cuts off the amygdala from the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So that's going to uh, impact self-control quite a bit. You're going to have very little self-control when you see a cookie. Yeah. Um, so sleep is a huge part of losing weight, meeting your goals, all those types of things. Plus the actual 
amount of fat loss during that rested sleep is uh, way higher than when you're more awake. Yeah. One other thing to consider. Do you guys use any sleep trackers or anything? I don't feel that they're very accurate. Now, Michelle does. She loves her Apple Watch. I think it's, you can use it as a baseline and compare. I just never felt that they were particularly accurate. Yeah. I have an older Apple Watch and it, the battery won't hold through the night. So that's, <laughs> that's why I don't use it. <laughs> so you die every night. It's on the charger that, right? and that's what it does during nighttime. <laughs> yep. No heartbeat detected. <laughs> Some people like them, find them useful to each their own. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like in your experience, if you're having a hard time sleeping, is it better to get up and be awake for a little bit until you get tired or to just try to lay super still? There's all kinds of differing opinions on that. A lot of people would agree that even if you're laying rested and you're awake, at least your body is still getting some restoration. Yeah. Um, it's also better for your marriage than getting up and clopping around the house in the middle of the night. That's probably true. <laughs> But sometimes getting in a bath, though, or something like that, if you're keeping a low-light situation, could be helpful. So sometimes if I'm really having a hard time, I'll start a bath, put some Epsom salt in, and the magnesium and the heat yeah. helps. So, in fact, if you know that you struggle with sleep, it's not a bad idea to start implementing baths a couple times a week because, uh, as we mentioned before, the increase in body temperature from the water, when you step out, and then it's going to have to wrap, your body's going to try and control and get it back down quickly. And when you drop around four degrees temperature, that's when melatonin releases. So that can actually help speed up sleep. Yeah. For me, I feel like it's my brain just running rampant. And if I could turn it off. So sometimes I'll watch a half hour sitcom or something and that'll be enough to turn it off. My wife is big into watching Gilmore Girls, which is probably not good because of the blue light. Yeah. Yeah. So the blue light would be my concern with that. Some people seem to do just fine with it. Uh, I don't know if it impacts quality for the people that it doesn't seem to affect or not. So my first go-to wouldn't be a blue light source. Sometimes it could be reading at a low light. How come we don't have TVs that filter out blue light yet? <laughs> I mean, so, why, why is that not a thing? I think some of them have an option where you can now. Our some Apple of the smart TVs. Yeah. yeah. But there's blue light blocking glasses. If you want to watch a sitcom, pull out your laptop instead of your TV and make sure it's on nighttime mode. There you go. <laughs> the other thing I found very effective is different breathing exercises. The simplest one is breathe in for four, hold for seven, breathe out for eight. Try and do it 10 times. Normally you fall asleep before you get to 10. So that's pretty effective. Also most helps of the turn time. off your brain. I found in, in my experience too, because you're focusing on your breathing as opposed to focusing on whatever nonsense right. you're thinking about. And honestly, I don't know that the actual counting structure matters. It's just the fact that you're distracting yourself with some sort of counting structure and you're getting a lot of oxygen to the, the blood, which is going to relax everything. And if you're like, man, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't help me stop thinking. Remember that meditation is a practice and it takes time to be able to get good at it. Absolutely. Um, it takes time. Yeah. So I think another good metric as you create your New Year's plans could be instead of specific calorie or macro goals, just once you have an idea of what should be in your diet and what shouldn't, like me and Michelle's goal is just to, when we go shopping at Aldi, we just eat those items. So there's no restriction on what, but everything we buy is the fire within way. So no wheat, grain, corn, soy, or dairy. So as long as we only eat what we grocery shop for and maybe eat out once a week, then we've hit that target as well. So our food goals aren't 90 grams of protein and 22. It's not that specific. It's just, at least for now, um, we only eat what we purchase at Aldi. And don't go out to eat and eat a bunch of junk. Because we ate a lot of junk over the break, not going to lie. Yeah, I felt like most Americans. I felt like I was a Hollywood actor gaining weight for a role that I didn't get. 
That's how I feel like I spent the last month of 2020. And here I'm in 2021 and I don't have the job. Yeah. <laughs> and I would see, I would be willing to bet it was a lot worse this year than previous years, just with being stuck inside a lot more. Yeah. So, and so many people had to celebrate like a weird Christmas with like a Zoom style Christmas where we're all just making our own food and... It was pretty bizarre. Crazy, crazy year. Yeah, we unwrapped presents with uh, people in Florida over Zoom. It was weird, but yeah, it worked. My, my mom zoomed into the big TV when we were opening presents. Just a strange vibe. Not, yeah. Like a not normal thing. <laughs> no, not at all. Once you have all those goals, so let's say you're, you want to eat everything you bought at Aldi six, six out of seven days a week. You want to get to bed before 11, seven days out of the week. And you want to exercise four days a week and you want to drink water up to 80 ounces or whatever your goal is seven days a week. You take all those numbers, let's say it adds up to 24. Yeah. By the end of the week, you then go back and say, I was compliant 22 out of those 24. If you divide 22 by 24, you want to see higher than an 80 percent compliance rate. We're not looking for a hundred percent, but so 22 divided by 24, that would be 91. So that's higher than an 80% compliance rate. So I got an A. I think that's a good way to approach it. And we've taken it a step further with the support system. And this is a cool thing to do with your family, especially with everybody being split up. We zoom in on Sundays and every Sunday, we're going to zoom in, discuss our goals, how it went, find out what our scores were. And all week, we text each other nice. whether we hit our checklist or not. Do you guys have a little prize for the person who does the best? I don't know. We should probably come up with something. And the best, again, shouldn't be a weight goal. It should be compliance rate. So who was most compliant throughout? I don't know. I think it'd be something that would bring us together. If it's safe, maybe we all get together and do something. It or, reminds me of this app that you're talking about. Uh, tracking your goals. Do you remember the app called Habetica? No, I've never heard of that. Habetica is a habit tracking app that is like a 90s text-based video game. So <laughs> when you get your goals, you get to unlock like a new piece of armor. or oh. So you get to, your Habetica character or your goal avatar gets leveled up the better you do. And it was me and my daughter did it for a brief amount of time. It was just a really well-made habit tracking app with a little quirky twist on it where you got to level up. And if you did good enough, you could buy a dragon. Yeah. But it would be something fun to consider. If, if I think that's a very personality type driven thing. Some people do good on habit tracking stuff and some people just like really struggle with that kind of stuff. Maybe what you could do is maybe you have a marker board, dry erase board, and you have different... Let's say maybe your prize is... Come up with all I can think of is a giant gummy bear, and that's not the message we want to send. <laughs> Just twelve pounds of sugar <laughs> in gelatinous form. Let me ask you this: If you track it over the course of the year, are you trying to hit in that year that big goal eighty percent as well? Yeah, uh, but we have a small. I don't. I think a year's too long because okay. you may want to readjust your goals. Like a quarter might be better. Yeah, that's like the longest I would go is three months out. I think shorter maybe better. So these goals that we've set and our check-ins are based on, I think a quarter, three months. Um, and I think that's probably where you got to give yourself some grace. Cause I know, let's say that anything in life where three is average and it's a score out of five, if some, you give somebody a three, they're like, Oh, I suck. But you're like, no, that's right at where you're supposed to be. <laughs> so if you're hitting 80%, you got to think giant win. Not, Oh, I screwed up 20% of the time. Yeah. And if you're not hitting that, reevaluate the goals they are probably unrealistic. But we want to hit your goal was like, I will only time. eat a carrot when hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to pan out for you. Oh. 
So you had uh, you had hydration goals, you had sleep goals, you had movement or exercise. So yeah. what's your goals for that? Uh, so mine was just to do my strength workout four times a week. Okay. I'm not big on cardio, so I don't really have a cardio goal. I get most of that through circuit training. But some people who just hate strength training, maybe your goal should be to walk a certain amount of time each day. Or Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook. Read the testimonials and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one nutrition coaching, one-on-one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. What's the safest, most effective type of cardio that's not weight training or circuit training? Walking. Just walking. Hands down. Yeah. I love walking. I think that's fantastic. And you're getting that movement. That's right. Because your lymphatic system doesn't have a pump like your heart does for your cardiovascular system. So if you don't move, it doesn't move. So movement's important. And I actually prefer people not to walk on a treadmill. You can. That's better than nothing, especially if you're like in Michigan and it's a frozen tundra half the year. Yeah. Or just find a failing mall. They're all over the place. Yeah, there's lots of failing malls (laughs) because I want elevation changes and things to help with stability and ankles and all kinds of stuff. And a treadmill is not going to mimic the exact same biomechanics. It's close. So I'm not against walking on a treadmill. It's just not the best option. Get outdoors if you can, or like you said, find a failing mall. Yeah. My wife and I switched over to this new Apple subscription base to get more storage space and Apple music and everything. And with it came Apple's new fitness doodad, which is it ties to your watch and shows your heartbeat on your screen and everything. And in typical Apple fashion, they made it really easy, but they have a really cool like premise. Pick your music. How long do you want to work out? And then what kind of workout? Just pop into a 20 minute like... Tabata or hits training on Apple Fitness as a way to just get the blood going in the morning and it, it make it really easy on the Apple Watch. Absolutely. They're overly cheery. <laughs> but I do think what is cool is they did have them learn sign language just oh, to be wow. more inclusive. So like when they sign on and say hello and say goodbye or thank you for, they'll do the sign language things for it, which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. The only thing I would caution people against following some of these like magic mirror workouts and, and yeah. Tabata is, What's your thought on those like tonal and all the, I see ads for those all the time on my Instagram. Yeah, my only concern is they're not individualized for you. And so many Americans, almost all of us now have different injuries, biomechanical issues, imbalances, back problems, mm-hmm. shoulder issues, text neck. So just be very aware of your body and what you're feeling. And as soon as something doesn't feel right, don't push through it. If there's a weird clicking, if you're having some aggravation of the knees or something like that, don't keep doing it. That's how you end up with surgery. And that's the benefit of having a personal trainer or somebody that can watch. So I'm all for movement and ways to make it convenient people and affordable. Just make sure you're listening to your body while you're doing these workouts that aren't coached by a professional. Yeah, that can be challenging, especially with regimented programs. Like I remember the P90X or the Beachbody programs where they're set for 90 days and 
and they give you the impression. I went through it P90X once and you have the impression in your mind that I'm going to finish this no matter what. And that's, that could be dangerous if it's going to hurt or amplify an injury or something that you have. That's how I got knee surgery. <laughs> that's a great recipe for that. Yeah. So just be aware of your body and what you're feeling. And if you're not sure, take a break, skip that set. I'll find a regression of the exercise. Yeah, that's very tough for us Midwestern people who have been trained since youth to ignore our feelings and push them down. <laughs> My body's hurting. That's not real. Finish workout. <laughs> Pain is weakness leaving the body. Yeah, remember those no fear shirts like in high school? With those, with those clever sayings, yes. <laughs> I remember those. Oh my gosh. So be smart about it. When in doubt, maybe even if it's not on, on a regular basis, it doesn't hurt to hire a professional. Yeah. I would think if you were serious about a training goal, you might want to do the serious thing, like you're saying, and consider hiring a professional. I know I'm, I've said this on the show before, but I was always fits and spurts with working out. And then I started working out with a personal trainer, which is you. And I've been very consistent, more consistent than I've ever been in my entire adult life for the last two plus years now. And I see a difference in my body. Like I have muscle mass that I didn't have two years ago and um, just overall feel better. And, uh, and I'm not doing the thing where I think I was, I would describe myself as a very average American type person who would, as soon as I felt like my weight got bad or I did that thing where you catch yourself in the mirror and you're like, oh crap, somebody put on some weight. Oh, that's me. Yeah. And then, so you go nuts and you work out really hard. Anyways, that's how I am. And so I'd spend three months, I'd get down to fighting shape and then be like, I'm good. And then I'd go right back to where I was before, which can't be good for your body. It's just totally inconsistent. And so I was always up and down fluctuating, like probably 30 to 40 pounds of whether a stressful time of year worse and then not stressful time of year better. And then you have periods of your life where you don't get control over those. And so if you have a long stressful period, you just don't work out. So I remember there were times where I just wouldn't work out for a long amount of time. And so I think the benefits of having a personal trainer expand beyond just having somebody being able to look at your form and make sure you're, you're getting the 100% effective workout when you're working out. But I think it also extends to accountability. It extends to the overall success rate. I feel skyrockets because you've got another person who won't be okay with you canceling because you, you're tired and you got somebody counting on you and waiting for you to get there. Yeah. And I think, and you invest in it. And I think there's a big, there's something big to be said about what you invest in. You have a value attachment to and if something comes for free, like you're, or really cheap, it's really easy to flake on it from a financial standpoint to be like, oh, well, yeah. so, I, so I wasted 12 bucks. <laughs> I forgive myself. Yeah, there's no buy-in, so it's, it's harder to follow through. But uh, I think your success rate goes up 80%. Really? That, uh, that doesn't surprise me, but yeah, it's good to know somebody did the research. 80% when you hire a professional for various reasons. Hopefully it's because they're a good professional, but have, making that financial investment also equates to, to a greater success rate too. I, I hired a counselor for a while just to, to work on some personal things. And honestly, I don't know that she did me any good personally. She would just agree with everything I said. But because I was paying her, I was like, crap, I better work on something. <laughs> I had a very similar experience when I went to see a counselor too. I was very cynical. Like, I see what you're doing. You're just agreeing with me and asking me a question. Fine. All right. I guess you're right. So maybe I should work on that. <laughs> 
anyway, it, it made a difference and it helped. So maybe she was doing the exact right thing. I don't know. But I think that is the exact <laughs> right thing. Speaking of personal trainers, in this age where it seems like, unfortunately, if you listen to Fauci and other health professionals, by the time everybody is able to get back to what we felt was normal before, is now the realistic timeline is fall. Yeah. If you're on that fence and you're saying, I'm just going to wait till everything gets back to normal, that's probably not a good health goal. So what are some ways that you can get the services of a professional without taking on a lot of risk when it comes to COVID-19? Virtual training is very accessible now, even with minimal equipment, even with no equipment. If you have a good trainer, there's plenty of apparatus around the house that you can use. That's a very safe way to do it. It's zero contact. So half of my business now is virtual. So either through FaceTime or Zoom. You get all the same benefits because it's one-on-one. Right. Somebody's looking at your form and evaluating. It's just a different setup. Yeah. But we're not talking like an exercise class that you take online. The, that's not one-on-one. It's not specific. Yeah. There's not somebody correcting your form. But that still could be beneficial to some populations. So I'm not against that at all. Yeah. But again, like we warned earlier, just make sure you're listening to your body. If something doesn't feel right, don't push through it. The second something doesn't feel right, stop and evaluate what's going on. But so, yeah, I think virtual is fine. Exercise bikes and things like that. At least you're getting movement in yeah. That's pretty safe. You have what I would call a micro gym. You've got a yep. setup in your garage where you got all the important equipment there. And I come over and work out and there's like wipes and you clean up in between people. Yeah. And so and it's, it's different than going to a gym and sharing the same air with 40 people. Because I can clean everything in between each client and keep it very controlled. Whereas a commercial gym, you don't know what the guy before you did and probably didn't wipe his stuff down. Yeah. So if you could find a situation like that. And I a think, lot of commercial gyms, that's where most people think of personal training. They go to that gym and there's the trainer there, but there is an associated risk with going to that gym. And they absolutely. keep closing them and unclosing them in the last year. <laughs> you can go to the gym. Nope. Yes, yeah. you can. No, you can't. Yeah. So I think those are some pretty low risk ways, even just uh, like we talked about with getting your movement goals in and walking and things like that, anything outdoors. But as far as strength training, I think virtual training is your best bet. And then there's all kinds of online classes and things. Now, a lot of gyms are even offering that as to their members, hopefully at a reduced rate of what their membership would cost since it's they don't Not, get the benefit of getting into the building. Yeah. Right. But I know a lot of gyms are offering that as well. Yeah. It's an interesting time in the fitness industry to see what the innovations people are coming up with. Things like tonal and the mirrors that watch you work out and things like that. Yeah. It's, I wonder if they're ever going to be able to incorporate one-on-one type training into those softwares. It seems like the cost would be prohibitive. Yeah. They're to, pretty to, pricey. For it to be able to figure out what your biomechanics are yeah. and give you corrections, like automated or? I don't know if it could yeah. be automated. I wonder yeah. if you can like have a call-in service. Like, for example, my bank, at Coastal Federal Credit Union, <laughs> they don't have people there anymore. There's a live person, like a Zoom call that pops in when you pop up to the ATM machine. Hello, oh, wow. how can I help you? And you speak with them. And so their employees are not there there, but they're there. Coastal Federal employees that are there to help you. It's just they're not actually physically there. So it's a really interesting hybrid. And it's once you get past the fact that we're living in the future, like Marty McFly stuff, yeah, it's not any different than going to the bank. They're able to help you the same way. Yeah. And if they got to spit out money, the little machine spits it out instead of them. <laughs> they got to <laughs> take your check. You just throw it in the little machine instead of hand it to them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it works out. Yeah, I dig it. That's still one-on-one service, in my opinion, because they're not also simultaneously helping somebody else. (laughs) That makes sense. And they're not reading a script, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Oh, that drives me nuts. 
<laughs> telemarketer script reading. Yeah. Holy crap. Or anytime you call into a call center, they have to answer like 36 security questions. Yeah. You know, what's your favorite food? I don't remember. <laughs> Whenever I suspect that the telemarketer will be like, hi, this is Amy with the bubble. I'm like, Amy, 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 Amy. <laughs> and then she'll, the, the recordings will never stop. <laughs> and then you can just be like, all right, you're not real. Bye. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we were talking about simple, measurable goals as opposed to results-oriented goals. Things like tracking the amount of water, tracking your amount of sleep, tracking your amount of movement. And hiring a, a personal trainer if you're getting serious about it. What are some other things that that you would encourage people to do? Well, yes, we mentioned before, I think that support group is very important. If it's just you and nobody else in your family, it's going to be harder. So I would definitely encourage getting other people on board. Yeah, And that's the nice thing about instead of metric-based, but behavior-based, you could make it inclusive for everyone. And success, again, being determined by those behavior check marks, not by, did you lose 10 pounds? And I think there's a big difference between, it would be fantastic if everybody was on the same page and shared the same goals. But I think even if you're the only one that has the goals, you can still have a conversation with family or friends or somebody that, that you like and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you mind if I just check in every once in a while and you hold me accountable? They don't have to share your goal, but they can still help with that accountability. Absolutely. I mean, if you did want something more defined and a little bit more aggressive, or maybe like you just really lost yourself over COVID, you've been at home a lot, you've put on a lot of weight, all your habits went to crap, then I think it might be worth the investment to hire a trainer. Yeah. Make a big difference. Saving all that money from eating out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of our big goals this year is to pay off a lot of debt. And so we really cut the budget back and we were just spending outrageous amounts of money eating out and buying expensive groceries. That's one of those things where until you track it, you don't know where it's at. Yeah. And so most people, I bet if you look at that, you'd probably find a little extra for services, counselors, personal trainers, and things like that. You yeah. probably have it. You're just spending it in other areas. My wife is is a bookkeeper, just extraordinaire. And uh, she's always had her all of our financial stuff in various programs that will print out a pie chart and show you exactly where the money's gone. So it's very hard to stray when you're like, Ooh, that chunk of the pie got way too big. We're yeah. not, nobody's okay with that. <laughs> like when you're, when your dining out budget is approaching a mortgage payment, you're like, oh. <laughs> no, ours was b between like really expensive groceries, like a whole paycheck and eating out. So there, there were weeks we're spending three and 400 a week on food. That's a mortgage. In a lot of restaurants, Probably rightly so because of the extra restrictions that they're facing raise their prices. Yeah. So where it used to cost, you know, 25 bucks to go out for a family of four at a, at a cheap restaurant. Now it's 40. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't really fault the businesses. They've been dealt a really bad hand this year as well. Absolutely. But when we just shop at Aldi, Aldi's a, like the best grocery store, I think, for saving money. Yeah. And they have lots of organic options and produce. We could do it $100 a week. But if you got different Aldi options, just be aware. Some are much better than others. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes based on the demographics around that Aldi and how much competition is, some Aldis will have lower prices than the other. Yeah. Um, There's an Aldi by my house that's amazing. Yeah. And then there's one by where I used to live that was like, okay. Yeah. Like North Raleigh had a really expensive one. And then, but here in Cary or Apex off of West William street, they're pretty good priced. But I would encourage people to check out Aldi. If you're looking to save some money on your groceries, Yeah, it's a no frills store. You're in, you're out. It's quick, no fancy displays. 
but it gets the job done and it saves you a ton of dough. Bring a quarter if you want a cart. That's right. Bring a quarter, bring your bags, or you get paid I love for that them. they're so old school. They're like, they still have that quarter cart system. Like, <laughs> so Lidl has it too, but the Lidl and carry doesn't make you put a quarter in. Oh, really? They have the mechanism for it, but you don't have to. I wonder at what point we don't care about quarters anymore. <laughs> I'm not taking my cart back. It's raining. Screw it. <laughs> you guys keep the quarter. Bye. I think it happens. <laughs> So to wrap up, I think a great approach this year for your New Year's goal to make it a little bit more successful, make it behavior-based, track things like sleep, water, movement, and diet. I think those are four major categories that can make a really big difference. And if you're ready to take the next step and want some accountability, you want some progression, you want an expert, feel free to check out firewithinnf.com. Start your consultation. And, and I guess we'll, even if you're not in the carry area, huh? if you want to do virtual. Yep. I got lots of virtual clients. So just remember, if you really want to experience transformation, there are no shortcuts. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media.